<sighs> Just keeping you on your toes. Folks, all the prophetic words that we've had have told us that um, we are in a new era, that the old is gone, that the winter has now passed, and we're starting to move into spring. And prophecy doesn't tell you, here it is, it's arrived. It points to the future and gets your direction focused on what God is saying to you. And as we believe it and walk towards it, then it gets outworked. And so if that's what is true for us, that we're going into something absolutely new, I want to ask, who are we? If we're not to be defined by what was and what we have experienced as a church or as individuals, then who are we as a new people? And I want to begin a series of a few weeks just looking at some of the things that I believe we are. But one of the things, the first thing that I want to pick up on is something that we have always been that isn't being dropped off that we will continue to go forward into. And, and what I want to do is I want to preface this by asking, is there a key as to how to live the Christian life, how to be successful in life? Is there actually a key that you can get in your hand and you can put it in a door and you can open it so that your life will become a success? Do you want to hit the mark that God has for you? Does anyone here want to be successful? Oh, that's a small number of people. Do you actually want to fulfill the destiny that God dreamed for you? You know, do you want to live the best life? Do you want to see all the potential that's within you get released? Well, what if I could give you a key today that if you used it throughout your life, your life would be different than if you didn't actually know what this key was? Would you take it? Would you treasure it? Would you value it? Would you use it? Or would you like to be average? Nobody employs average. You know, if you're going to get a new car, you never go home to your spouse or to your boyfriend or girlfriend and say, I'm going to get a new car, but I don't want a good one. I don't want a really good car. I don't want a special car. I want an average car. I want it to be and you can name the color that you least like, you know? Does anyone actually do that? Or what about a husband coming home to his wife or a, 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 a guy coming to his girlfriend and saying, let's go out to dinner tonight, but I don't want to go somewhere good. I just want to go to an average place where they burn the steak and, and the vegetables taste a bit sort of horrible because they're overcooked. Does anyone do that? Or what about a guy or a girl who's single and they say, I want to get married, but I don't want anyone special. I just want someone average. Yeah. You know, I'm not looking for special, someone who treat me special and they are incredible. I just want average. Yeah. No one wants average. So let me ask you again, do you want success in your life? Yeah. Do you want to hit the mark that God's got for you? Well, what say there was a key that we could actually have? You know, is there anyone in the Bible that could show us a key of how they went from here? Because God just loves picking people up who are at this stage and then through their lifetime, lifting them to this place way up here. Is there anyone in the Bible that could show us a key of how to get from here to here? Well, actually, there's heaps of people, but there's one in particular by name of David. And the Bible actually talks about the key of David. I'll give to you Revelation. It's just come to me right now, actually. Reminded myself. 
or the Holy Spirit reminded me, I'll give to you the key of David. You know, David hit the mark for his life. And God, at the end of his life, he wrote on his tombstone, so to speak, and he said, after he'd fulfilled everything that I had planned for his life, he died. In Acts. It's recorded there, I think, in Acts chapter 13. And David's so famous, he's, he's famous, famous. Anyone heard of the Kardashians? Kardashians? They're famous, but what are they famous for? They're famous for being famous. But David was so famous for what he did, he's been famous for 3,000 years, and they're still naming things after David. And David had this key. So what is the key that he actually had? You know, when we first hear of David, he's absolutely in obscurity. He's, he's just completely unknown. He's here. When we last hear of David, he's here. But from total obscurity, which was where God likes to pick people up, people who, who are, are, are just average, hmm. he picks them up in obscurity and makes something of their life. And one of the most influential men in the country came to a farmer's home, David's father's home, Jesse. And he got all, Jesse got all of his important sons, and there were about eight of them, and he got them all out, and he made them clean their shoes and put shoes on and cut their hair and dress properly, and he'd send them back to the room. No, not good enough. Get, get cleaned up. He got the, all these boys lined up. And Jesse, the prophet, one of the most famous people in Israel, came into his home, and he's looking for the next king. And he just goes through them, and he takes the ones that look as if they should be king, you know, tall, strong. He says, no, 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 no. Have you got anyone else? And David had another son. A son, uh, sorry, Jesse had another son. A son that, that obviously was of no importance to Jesse. Some commentators think maybe he was an illegitimate boy, born out of an adulterous affair. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. But Jesse just completely ignored this boy, didn't even bother bringing him in. And he says, get him, brings him in. You, you. You see, this boy had a key. And this key had enabled this boy to know his God. And what was the key that David had? What was the key of David? It was worship. It was a heart after God. But it, was, it came through worship. He had a guitar. He had plenty of time. No one else was calling for him. And he'd worship and he'd connect and he'd hang out with God. And because of that, because he abided with God through praise and worship, God spoke to him. God empowered him. God's spirit stayed on him. And it enabled him to kill a bear when, when a bear was attacking the sheep. And it enabled him to kill a lion, which is an amazing feat. And then it enabled the spirit of God, this, this, this key of worship, enabled him to be able to kill a giant. And, and David found courage when every other male in the country was going, someone else. And David stood up, and, and because he'd been worshiping his God and communing with his God and hanging out with his God, he was prepared. He was ready. He stepped into what was right before him, yeah. and he killed the giant. Good 
And it meant, this key meant that he became a warrior. And then this key meant that he became a high-ranking officer. And then later on, when he was a political refugee from the king, he was able to keep the assurance in his heart that God would work it all out and he wouldn't get killed and he would become the king himself. And then finally, this key of praise and worship meant that he would become the king. And then once he was the king, this key of praise and worship that he just kept bubbling in his life every day, every day, every day. In his heart, he led this na- uh, the armies of, of his nation to victory where they expanded the borders and they expanded the borders and they became absolutely secure. And his secret to success for hitting the mark in his life was that he valued getting into God's presence through praise and worship. And he never stopped valuing it. He used it all his life. Let me bring it to the modern day. In Australia, there's, in, in a, there's a church in Melbourne that has become famous for its praise and worship. Do you know what the name of it is? No? Hillsong's in Sydney. Planet Shakers. And Russell Evans is the pastor of Planet Shakers. And Russell is a little bit different. When you meet him, he's not like the, pastor, the, the normal image of a pastor that you think would have success and have this mega church and a conference that, that reaches 30,000 plus um, young people and students um, and 20s and 30-year-olds. Uh, he just doesn't appear to be like that. That's Russell up there now. And, and, and I remember hearing Russell a few years ago, and he said this. He said, I was, when, when I was at um, Bible college, he said, uh, we had a visiting speaker, and I was leading worship before the visiting speaker. And, and, and uh, when I'd finished the worship, he said, I didn't want to stay and hear the speaker. I was sneaking out to get KFC. And he said, when he got up, um, he took off to his car, and, and when the speaker got up, the speaker said, where's that young man that just led worship? I've got a prophecy for him. And they couldn't find Russell, so they spread out around the campus, and they found him before he drove to KFC. And they dragged him back in, and the man said, you are going to lead the next wave of, of music that's going to come out of this land, and it'll go across the world. And it's happened for him. And I remember a few years back, uh, probably about five years ago, listening to Russell talking about his mother's death and his mother's life. And, and um, Mrs. Evans, Russell's mum, was a missionary, and they went to PNG. And while they were in missionary, a big black snake crawled into the, uh, the um, nursery area, and, and it really, really freaked Mrs. Evans out. And she developed... Um, Depression as a result of this. And she and her husband had to come back from PNG because the depression just would not go. And, and um, they, they came home thinking they were failures. And, and Russell's dad started pastoring an AOG church, a little AOG church, and faithfully he pastored this church. And, and Mrs. Evans found that if she used the key of David when she woke up with the blackness of this black dog of depression over her life, She could break through the depression after a period of time, and for the rest of the day, she'd be clear and have a great day. But she'd go to sleep at night, and she'd wake in the morning with this black, hopeless depression over her life again. And she would have to choose to use the key of David, praise and worship, and she would daily have to pray through the depression that was there until she became clear. And she started to write... All her life, she's reached out to people who are depressed and helped them. 
And then she started to write Bible studies and friends of hers started to hear about these Bible studies and they started to ask for them and suddenly she had an emailing ministry of Bible studies all across Australia and probably beyond. And then she, she, uh, one of the, in one of these days when she'd broken clear from the depression over her life, she had this thought that she should start a choir. Now this is the lady who wakes with depression every day has a a desire to start a a choir in their church, so she does it. And then a a few years later, she has a desire to start a kids program in schools. And so she goes out into the school and she gets the opportunity to do it and she builds teams and it becomes very successful. And then she had an idea to start a a ministry to solo mums in parenting and so she set that up as well. And then when she was 60 years of age, which is a great age, by the way, She was asked to be the children's pastor in their church. And so she did it, and she did an amazing job of it. And then later, when she was in a wheelchair in her last years of life, she translated the Bible for youth from a wheelchair condition. And Russ credits her daily worship of having to break through for the music anointing that's over his church. Because it's in the DNA of Planet Shakers. And what his mum was singing doesn't sound anything like what the musicians are playing today. But it's the same God being worshipped. And when, uh, at her funeral, there were over 2,500 people there. I've never ever been to a funeral with 2,500 people. I thought Steve Askin's funeral was large the other day and there would have been a 1,000 something. At Steve's funeral, 2,500 people have been influenced by this lady's lives to the extent that they either jumped on planes or got into their cars and drove from different places around Australia or New Zealand or Australia, sorry, America or other places to be there to honor this woman. What pinnacle in God could your life end up at if you lived wholeheartedly sold out to him? bit of David's key to you from um, David's understanding of the key that he has from, from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, David said. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit of destruction from the sticky mud. He stood me on a rock and made my feet steady. Isn't that true of everyone who comes to Christ? He takes us from where we are and he puts us into somewhere new. Then he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. And he says, many people will see this song of praise and will worship him also. Then they will trust the Lord. Happy is the person who trusts the Lord who doesn't turn to those who are proud or to those who worship false gods. Lord my God, you have done many miracles. Your plans for us are many. If I tried to tell them all, there would be too many to count. You do not want sacrifices and offerings, but you have made a hole in my ear to show that my body and life are yours. I'll explain that in a minute. You do not ask for burnt offerings and sacrifices to take away sins. David knew this long before Jesus turned up, that Jesus would do that. Only Jesus could do that. 
It's not about the cow and the, and the, the barbecue. David knew that. Then he said, look, I've come. It's written about me in the book. My God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. I will tell about your goodness in the great meetings of your people. Lord, you know my lips are not silent. I do not hide your goodness in my heart. I speak about your lo- loyalty and salvation. I do not hide your love and truth from the people in the great meeting. Lord, do not hold back your mercy from me. Let your love and truth always protect me. Troubles now have surrounded me. There are too many to count. My sins have caught up with me so that I cannot see a way to escape. I have more sins than hairs on my head. And I've lost my courage. Please, Lord, save me. Hurry, Lord, to help me. People are trying to kill me. Shame them and disgrace them. People want to hurt me. Let them, let them run away in disgrace. People are making fun of me. Let them be shamed into silence. Now listen to this. But let those who follow you be happy and glad. They love you for saving them. May they always say, praise the Lord. Lord, because I'm poor and helpless, please remember me. You are my helper and my savior. My God, do not wait. And you see there, I I just love David. He talks about the ups and downs of life. It's not all just like this for David, just cruising on the love boat to, to, to heaven. He's going through the normal things of life where sometimes it's better than other times. But can you see David's emphasis on praising God in any and every circumstance? He just kept it going, kept it going, kept it going. And because he did, one door opened, then another door opened, then another door opened in his life because he was communing with God through this amazing vehicle called praise and worship. And it doesn't matter whether it's a guitar or a full band or just you singing a cappella. It's just communing with God. It's not the songs. It's what's being expressed from the heart, coming out our mouths, from our heart saying, God, I love you. I need you. You're my my best thought in every single day. Are you with me? And David knew that God could take people, broken people, who to some extent will always remain imperfect and bring strength and security and confidence and blessing and joy into their lives. And praise God, he does it. You see, when we find God, we find joy. Verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. And then verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God. God's immediate response when we come to, to salvation is that he gives us a heart of praise. It's like he gets a computer praise chip and he inserts it in the right spot in us. And if we will activate that computer chip of praise, the desire to praise God, and use it and value it on a daily basis, then we will go forward and we will take new ground in our lives. We'll see breakthrough like David did. And for too long, parts of the church have not valued this powerful key that God has given David valued it, and he never stopped valuing it. If I had time, I'd tell you other things that David did that were just, just are unbelievable with this worship key. But, but he never, ever stopped valuing it. And there's spiritual power in praise and worship. In fact, there's power in just singing. Armies have marched into battle singing for millennia. They do it for a reason. It is powerful in the human heart to, to unite people and to do better than they would if they didn't, than if they didn't sing. But spiritually, there's huge power. It shifts atmospheres. 
It disinfects environment. It lifts heaviness. It exposes evil spirits. It draws the Holy Spirit. And God himself inhabits our praise. In other words, it creates a channel of heart-to-heart connection with God. And it creates happiness. Can you say the word happiness? Try and say it with a frown. Most of you have got a very good look on your face. Verse 4 says, happy is the person who trusts the Lord. Is anyone looking for happiness? Come on. Let's be honest. The whole world is looking for happiness. They'll inject anything into themselves, smoke anything, pour anything into themselves for a moment's happiness. You know, friends, in church, boring is outlawed. Here's an amazing thought. Worship and evangelism are linked. He put a new song in my mouth. This is David saying, a song of praise to our God. Many people will see this and worship him. Then they will trust the Lord. In other words, they'll get caught up into the environment that that is around your life or around a church. And as they get caught up into that environment, the Spirit of God will work in non-believers' hearts to say, I, I need what these people have got. And that's why boring is just not allowed. I'll come to that in a moment. But, but worship and evangelism are linked. You see, non-Christians aren't silly. They're looking to see if this God thing is real. And they're looking at you and they're looking at me. And, and, and they're not even going to be interested if they can't see it working in our lives. And they expect to see life. And if we're plugged into the creator of the universe, the one who is energy, light, creativity, forgiveness, peace, love, strength, and power, if he takes up residence within us, they expect to see some evidence of fizz and happiness in our life. And so we're not allowed to be boring. And the way to get it real for us is to get this praise and worship thing happening on a daily basis in our lives so God flows powerfully in us. And we might become successful in in seeing people come to Christ. I pray to God that we will. But if the church is not full of life, many of them will not stick. They will not stay because they'll say, something happened, but I don't see it in all of the church. And God wants his church to be alive, full of his joy, full of happiness. Many of them are not going to stick. Praise is not based on whether we feel like it or not. Mrs. Evans would have died depressed with very few accomplishments happening if she had waited until she felt like worshiping God. It's a choice. When we, when we activate our soul, David said, come on, soul, get awake. Rise up within me and praise God. He's worthy of it. And he told himself that in a number of different psalms. He's just speaking out what he would do to himself each day. When we do that, um, we, we will see uh, amazing things happen around our life. And to praise means to lord. And if you go into the, the dictionaries, the Greek dictionaries on the word lord, um, lord, to lord someone means to celebrate, to glory, to boast, to shout, to have jubilation, to make a show, um, and to be clamorously foolish. 
So when was the last time in your own room you were clamorously foolish before God? Hopefully it wasn't too long ago. But over here, when was the last time in church you were clamorously foolish? Good. Carl's, Carl's always onto it because he's got the praise chip inserted in the right place. But, but seriously, church is not allowed to be boring. You know, if one person gets a light, like a coal, a light, it can affect their destiny and their future. But what happens if five or 50 people coming together are a light like that? Or 150 people coming together are a light like that where we want to serve God and worship Him and give Him praise and praise ourselves into into a release of that happiness. I think it's one of the reasons why the Bible says don't neglect being together because we're like one coal, slowly go out, but many coals becomes like the port hills on fire. Hard to put out. Weeks and weeks of work to get the hot spots. Carl's a hot spot. Just get next to him. Go to his place for lunch. Just spend some time with him. It's a choice. This is not allowed. Come on, worship leader, make me sing. That's not allowed. David would say, take my key. Your life will completely change. Take my key. And then it goes on to a lot of other things that I'll go on about next week. (laughs) But I just want to invite the the worship team to come up and and to just give us an opportunity to to celebrate, to glory, to boast, to shout, to have jubilation, to make a show, and even to be clamorously foolish if if that's uh, what's coming out of our heart and where we get to. Can I just just say to anyone here who's, who's not a Christian... I believe you're here for a reason. You're not here by accident. You're here because something in your life is searching for God. You're looking for the God that we know. And you're welcome to make no response today. You're welcome just to come back week after week and and, and just, just imbibe what's going on here. But maybe there's one person here today that is ready to give their life to Jesus. And you know... When we don't know Jesus, we often think we have to appease God, that we've got to do something. But you know, the sin in our life is so big, there's nothing we could do that would actually get it out of the way. Christianity is not spelt do. Christianity is spelt done. Jesus Christ has done everything to be able to forgive you of all the troubled troubled times, all the wrong things, all the crazy choices that you've made and give you a brand new start. The amazing thing is that he loves you. He wants relationship with you. And he, when you come to Christ, is going to put that praise chip inside you that will bring happiness and joy to your life whenever you activate it as well. Can I just have every head bowed? And and if there is one person here who's just wondering whether they should or not, why not make today the day? Why not let today be the day when you invite Jesus into the center of your heart, the center of your life? All you have to do is say, God, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I want to be forgiven. I want a new start. So if you want to do that today, just raise your hand. And I won't embarrass you further, but I will pray for you if you raise your hand and let me know that you want to come to Christ. You want to give your life to Jesus.
Amen. The only person I saw with their hands raised was Mike Button, but I'm, I know Mike well. <laughs> okay, just pray after me this prayer. Lord Jesus, please help me. I ask your forgiveness. And I know that you're coming into my life. Fill me with your spirit again. And give me that praise chip. Just clean it up, Lord, so that I can worship you. Let's do that together, eh? Let's stand and just enjoy God for a moment or two. Thank you. 